Hi, and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And we're going to talk about a something today. But first, we have another peer review for you. Woo, peer review. Peer review. Um, So I just realized that I'm talking to you on my phone and the peer review is also on my phone. Oh, it's fine. I'll go get it. Okay, so our first peer review comes from a listener named Ethan. He says, Hey, just wanted to let you know that the festival happening during the Casco Amontillado is Carnival, meaning that Montrezal is probably a Frenchman living in Italy. So, okay, when I was reading it, I thought Montrezor was xenophobic against Italian people, you know, because I thought he was in France and he was calling Italians quacks, which is not nice anyway. But I thought it was not nice because he was being xenophobic. But apparently he was going to their country and calling them quacks. (laughs) He was like, I want to have the air from the sea and I want to have beautiful grapes. But also, (laughs) God, do I hate Italians. You know, just go to the south of France. (laughs) All those things there. Well, I did tell you that it was in Italy and then you corrected me and I was like, yeah. Probably. Chantel's always right. He was, like, so rude to Italians. Yeah, I was like, he can't be in Italy. You can't be rude to Italians if you're in Italy. I mean, you shouldn't anyway. No, because they're going to do the thing with the hand. You know, the thing with the hand pointed up? <laughs> the listeners cannot see what you're doing right now. <laughs> but, you know, the hand in a pointy motion. Have you seen the Italian fork? Like the tridents? No, it's just a fork, and its prongs were curled like this... And someone said an Italian fork. Oh, was this a meme on the tumblers? It was a meme on the tumbler. Yeah, that makes sense. That checks out. But, you know, all that to say that, you know, sometimes we have errors and we are so glad that we have this peer review board here to listen and correct us. So if you have anything you would like to send to us, you can reach us at unsightedpodcast at outlook.com. Or on Twitter at unsightedpod. See, I'm not hip with the tweeters. I told you to make a tweeters and then I'm I'm like, I'll manage it. And then I didn't manage it. Uh, Oh, no. Our mystique is broken. (laughs) Now the people know I am the one who runs the tweeter. (laughs) I mean, maybe someday I'll take it over. Maybe a one day. You will not know when. I don't know when. You're just going to send me like the password in the account and you're going to be like, here, do your job. (laughs) (laughs) This is a you problem now. Yeah. Um, All right. So... This week, did you drop water everywhere? Oh, no. I dropped it all on my notebook. Oh, no. And look at all the notes that I I ruined. (laughs) You can't see, but it's just written, Jane Eyre at Unsighted Pop. Because last time, I got our Twitter handle wrong. Ooh, maybe if we ever have a Patreon, we can film these uh, conversations for them as well, and then they can enjoy our our facial expressions. Yeah, and we can do dramatic readings of the books. Well, maybe not the entire books. Not the entire books. Snippets. Snippets of the books. And our essays. That's the word I was looking for. Um, We won't tell you what the book is. No. We'll just do like a... Like a sight passage. Like a sight passage. (laughs) (laughs) But out loud. We're going to help students uh, study for the exams. That's a good Patreon idea. Yeah, except we don't have a Patreon. We should get a Patreon. If you would like to be able to have side passages read from Amy and Chantel, 
probably more Chantal because she has a nicer voice. Please send this podcast to five of your friends. So this week, we are tackling more of this gothic horror nonsense. I mean, not not horror. Well, terror? Is it? I mean, it's pretty darn creepy and not super fun. There are ghosts-ish. Oh, yeah. There's like medium rare ghosts. Medium rare ghosts. Um, so this week, we are tackling two novels. The first being Jane Eyre, and the second being White Sargasso Sea. Or, if we don't talk about White Sargasso Sea... This week, we will be tackling Jane Eyre. (laughs) So here's my opinion on White Sargasso Sea. Okay. White Sargasso Sea is a spinoff of Jane Eyre. Yes. That I think is better than Jane Eyre. Like, I enjoyed reading it more. See, I enjoyed reading Jane Eyre because I thought it was fun and I thought it was like, I was, you know, I was young. I was bright eyed. I loved the idea of the English countryside. However, (laughs) like, in retrospect, White Sargasso Sea was more critical and and not necessarily entertaining because I don't think it was like fun um but I think it was for its length you had a lot more bang for your buck oh yeah you totally get more bang for your buck it's like a fifth of the length (laughs) it's like you have Jane Eyre which is like a clunky 450 odd pages and then you have White Sargasso Sea which is like 150 but you get so much more background and interesting criticism of race and gender in those 150 pages than you ever get in the 450 that you get in Jane Eyre. Yeah. Jane Eyre is Charlotte Bronte. Yes. And it's like a feminist text, and it's widely interpreted as such. But even she, in her time, acknowledged that she didn't fully understand the intersectionality of the feminism that was even available then. Yeah. She said that she only really understood the English woman's experience and she wrote about the English woman's experience. Yeah, it was very much like a woman in her own shoes writing for women who buy the same shoes at Payless and (laughs) that's pretty much what it was. And that's fine for novels. Like you're allowed to just write a novel to write a novel. But I think, you know, we wanted more bang for our buck. Um, and less scary one-dimensional ghosts that live in attics. Oh, geez. Yeah. Is that the ghost you were talking about? No. That's not the ghost I was talking about. No, you were talking... Okay, so can we do our our rundown for the people who haven't read the books? Yes. Okay, so if you um, haven't noticed yet, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. (laughs) Beware. Spoilers ahead. So much. Um, It's almost like, you know when you put some vegetables in your fridge, and then you forget about them. That's how much spoiler you're going to (laughs) get. So uh, Jane Eyre was written at some point in time, and it features uh, this girl named Jane Eyre. And she was a girl at the beginning, so we're not being sexist. It's about her whole life. It's a building's Roman. Yeah, so she lives with her stepmother, who's kind of a bitch, and then she gets put into a red room where her uncle John died. Yeah, she that's like her punishment. She locks her up on a chair for a night in the room where her uncle died. Yeah. I don't even know what she did. She probably like left something on the counter. I don't know. I think it was simply because she was like her aunt. It might have been her aunt, not her stepmother. Um, but like she just like really disliked Jane. Um, and I think Jane was just like not perfect in her eyes. So she was like, I'm locking you up. Um, so she locked her up and then Jane had like a real psychological break um, and saw like her uncle's ghost and like she went crazy about it. Or might have just been a ghost. Might have also just been a ghost. 
And then some family members arrive and they're like, oh, she should go to like this school. And then the old lady who's taking care of her is like, yeah, fucking get her out of the way. I don't want to see her anymore. So then she goes to the school, which is like pitiable. Um, and it has like terrible sanitation and everybody's always sick. And then there's a typhoid or something outbreak and her best friend dies. Consumption. Yes, that's tuberculosis. Sure. Yeah. Um, so her best friend dies of tuberculosis. Um, and then, you know, the government fixes up the school and then she becomes a teacher there for two years. Yeah, because it was like this private school and they were siphoning away money. Like the guy who was running it, the principal, was like, I think you guys would do much better if you understood the lack of things because you're a bunch of rich kids and he just like put them in squalor and like didn't feed them and didn't clean their accommodations and everybody just died it was essentially an amazon warehouse school Ooh, (laughs) shop local eventually she decided uh you know she needed to grow on to greener pastures, so she goes to this house to become a um, like a tutor to this small French girl at this house called what is it called again? Frogmore. Oh God, I don't no remember. I had Jesus it pulled Christ. up. Um, Why do you think I would remember that? <laughs> I thought you had read the Sparks and Excited. I know where the most boring characters in the world live. I just don't know where the main characters live. Thornfield. So she goes to this uh, manor called Thornfield. And then there, there's like this housekeeper, uh, Miss Fairfax, and they're fun. Um, and her employer, Jane's employer, is this dude named Rochester. And we're supposed to fawn over his dark mysteriousness. He's very annoying. I do not like him. He is very annoying, but he's supposed to be like that brooding type. Even before we figure out that he's a horrible abuser. Terrible human being. I didn't like him. Because he's just the worst. He is the worst. He's the Victor Frankenstein of Jane Eyre. He's not even smart enough to be Victor Frankenstein. Yikes. Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. So anyways, a bunch of stuff happens. There's a fire. Jane saves Rochester from the fire. There's this vicious woman, Blanche. Anyways, they fall in love. La-di-da-di-da. Jane is like, yeah, of course, I'll marry you. And then they go to get married. And there's this guy, Mr. Mason shows up and he's like, you cannot marry this woman. I object. You already have a wife. Quick interjection. Yes. What accent is that supposed to be? I haven't decided yet. Because it sounds like you're halfway between a Newfoundland accent and a Southern accent. Well, I mean, Mr. Mason spent a lot of time in the West Indies, so... Acadian? (laughs) Yes, because everyone knows that all those Jamaicans in Jamaica have an Acadian accent. Maybe he spent some time down in Louisiana. Jesus Christ. So anyways, Mr. Mason objects because Rochester already has a wife named Bertha. Terrible name. No offense, Bertha's. <laughs> so then Jane runs away and now she's living in a moor, which is like a bog. And she meets these people called Mary, Diana, and St. John, who, wait for it, Chantel, is pronounced Sinjin. Sinjin. I remember... That's like the only thing I remember about him besides the fact that he's the blandest person in the whole wide world. His personality. He's a clergyman. He has the personality of a piece of paper. Yes, he does. 
So essentially, this guy, he finds Jane, introduces him to his sisters, whatever. She starts teaching again at a school. And then she learns that an uncle of hers died and he left her a big fortune. And then she learns that she's related to the Rivers, which are this family with St. Jin and other girls. These ones are women. These ones are women. But Jane, being the virtuous woman she is, is like, I'm going to share my money with my cousins. Actually, she's a really good person. (laughs) I don't know why I'm making fun of her. I don't really know why they didn't tell her they were related until there was an inheritance. You know? They they took her in. They were friends. They were hanging out. Yeah. It's kind of shift. She was friends with them, even though they tasted like white people making barbecue chicken. Yeah. But all of a sudden, they're like, BT dubs, we're cousins. It's like, it kind of seems like you are in it for the money, though, you know? Yeah, it was kind of sus. And then St. Jin is all like, hey, I'm going to be a missionary. You want to be my wife? And she's like, no, I'll travel with you, but I'm not going to be your wife. And he's all like, no. He goes to India, right? Yeah, he goes to India. And then she's all like, I need to go see Rochester because she hears his voice over the moors or whatever. She's like, you can go spread your colonialism. Yeah. I will be subtly colonial. (laughs) I'll just marry a colonial. It's fine. So she goes back to Thornfield and it's been like burned to the ground by Bertha. Surprise. And Rochester is blind. He's blind and apparently he lost a hand. He lost his sight and his hand in a fire. Yeah. You know what really gets me? Tell me. Is that he thinks that he lost his sight as a punishment because he lied to Jane. Yeah. Not because he kept his wife in an attic for 20 years. Yeah. That's another thing. Rochester is old compared to Jane. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's older. Which, I mean, back then, whatever, but like, still. She's only like 20, and he's been married for 20 years, so presumably he's about twice her age. Yeah, I think he's twice her age, because like, I remember somewhere it said like, she's 17 years old at one point, so like. I mean, we see her at every age, so. Yeah. But like, when she moves to his house, she's 17? Yeah, like when she's like, just, I think she teaches for two years, so she's probably around 20 when she gets there. I'm going to say he's twice her age, and I'm going to say I don't like it. No. No, we do not. He's also her boss. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, if I was an HR rep, I would be very suspicious of this. Um, but I'm not an HR rep, so it's fine. <laughs> so anyways, um, you know, they rebuild their relationship. There's a stone at some point. They talk. They get married. He regains use of one of his eyes and sees his son at birth. And then his son grows up and he doesn't have any kids of his own and his mother Jane doesn't really understand his career. So one Christmas they're just sitting there eating Triscuits in silence and he turns to his mom and he says, well, here goes nothing. You ever seen a ghost? <laughs> uh, Chantel? Yes. You, you gotta stop because you're gonna make John Mulaney run out of money if you're giving off his jokes for free sh- <laughs> Well, that's funny. That's I would pay to watch a skit of this at SNL. <laughs> Please get to it. So yeah, that's the plot of Jane Eyre. And then White Sargasso Sea is about Bertha, named actually Antoinette, who's a Creole woman in the sense that she is white but born in the Caribbean. Yeah, so Bertha is the wife that Rochester kept in the attic for yeah. 20 years. And she was setting fires, presumably because he was keeping her in the attic for 20 years. Yeah. And that's not good. And she was in solitary confinement. I don't know. Why do you think she went crazy? Because this guy showed up at her place, married her within like three days, then cheated on her 
with one of their servants, friends, person. Somebody. Somebody. And then she was forced to be brought back to England after a failed love potion on her own husband. Of course she was found crazy because like, she was alienated from the English people on the island. She was alienated from the black people on the island because she used, like her family used to own slaves. She had no real family of her own. She got given a slave as a wedding present. That's messed up. Yeah, it's real messed up. So there's all these other issues in here that like, of course, she went crazy. Also, Rochester got a letter from like one of her stepbrothers or something, like yeah. somebody from her old hometown. I believe it's Mr. Mason. It was like not complimentary. Yeah, it's pretty much like this girl comes from money, like just marry her. She comes from money, but also like she comes from a questionable lineage and she's got a history of insanity in her family. Yes, but like a lot of these issues that have happened in this book could have easily been avoided if Mr. Mason had just never talked to Rochester at all. There's so many things that happen. So Jane Eyre... Yeah. Is we said from like a like an English feminism perspective. Yes. And she presents Bertha like crawling around and very animalistic. Yeah, an animalistic woman. Um I don't believe we actually get a description of her coloring. Yeah. They just say she's from Jamaica. Yeah, so like at that time, chances are she probably wasn't white. Would she have been white? Okay. So here's the thing. The construct of whiteness is made up anyway. Well, yes. But it's so fake that they didn't consider at the time people who were of exclusively European lineage, but living in the West Indies to be white. They considered them something else. They were still the other. Yeah, like the Creoleness of like being white but still born over there. Yeah, there was this thing where they were like, the heat makes you crazy or something. It was really incredibly racist. So even if she was white, they still wouldn't have considered her white either way. She was like Caucasian, but she wasn't white. I guess, yeah. Whereas Jane, so Caucasian. Jane had, was the uh, whitest white to ever white. Jane and Sinjin. She's Sinjin. Um, okay, White Star Gossip Sea is not necessarily a fun novel to read. It's kind of um, very jarring, but it's really interesting. Whereas like Jane Eyre, not super interesting, but like kind of a fun and wild ride when you consider that like it's just a series of unfortunate events for Jane. Yeah. <laughs> the entire plot is just like one bad thing happening to Jane after the other. Like she has a roller coaster where she's like, oh man, my like aunt or whatever hates me. And then like she sees ghosts and then all of a sudden she's at this school and her friend dies. But oh! All of a sudden, clouds disappear and she's living her best life again. And then she's all fine and then she finds herself in this big house and there's creepiness in the house. And like, it it really reads like a series of unfortunate events with some rainbows sprinkled in. Yeah, she's like going from place to place and each place she has hope that it's going to be better. But then each place, it's still horrible. And then at the end, she's okay. It should be called Jane Eyre and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. (laughs) That's funny. I think, like, (laughs) Jane has, like, all this, like, potential of being, like, a good, strong, virtuous woman. And that, like, she goes into every situation with that, like, thought in her mind of, like, I'm just gonna go and do good. And then, like, the universe just keeps throwing her rocks. She didn't have a lot of options. She really didn't. To be honest. You know who had a lot of options? Rochester. You know who could have and should have done better? (laughs) 
Rochester. Rochester. Like, if you didn't want to marry the Creole woman, you didn't have to marry the Creole woman. In um, White Sargasso, see, they have an explanation for why he married her after three days, which is that he is the second son from a wealthy family, so he's not going to inherit. Right. So he needed her money. So he needed her money because she's a she's a wealthy heiress. Right. So he basically, he married her, he took her back to England, he locked her up in an attic, and he stole all her money. And that's why he's so wealthy. And then she burns down his house, and he deserves it. He does deserve it. And I feel like, you know, Jane just came into some money and whatever. He's probably just marrying Jane because she's sweet and also has cash money. But what's really interesting with White Sargasso Sea is that Rochester is never named. Yeah. Like, it's sous-entendu, it's Rochester, but, like, we don't actually know, which I find really interesting because it really gives back, like, the power and agency to Antoinette. Whereas, like, she's not a really prominent character in Jane Eyre. Like, the book isn't named after her. (laughs) But, like, it completely erases any power in the name of Rochester. You know how important, like, a name is to a man, to a family, blah, blah, blah. Like, it completely disregards that for him. I think that's pretty sweet. That is sweet. Not like sweet like sugar, but sweet like, ha, gotcha. Yo, that's sweet. It's very much like decentralizing his narrative and centering it back on Antoinette, who he decides to rename Bertha because he just, I don't know. I think he wants her to sound more English or something. Yeah, because like the thing is, like, we don't get an explanation for that either. Like, Antoinette's just like, yeah, he named me Bertha. I don't know why. I don't like it. Yeah, she freaking hates it. But like he he doesn't really want to lay with her because again she's an other. But like he's he's just such a fuck boy. <laughs> like he's a manipulative cheater and we have no time for him in our house. Rochester is over party 2020. Yes. In this year, we cancel so many things including Rochester. <laughs> It is long overdue. And it's not like, you know, like I've seen adaptations of Pride and Prejudice and stuff and like Mr. Darcy's really nice and he he's brooding but you know he has some potential as a human being. Rochester has no potential as a human being. There's actually a lot of sort of love stories where it's like a romantic story, like not not romantic as in there's romance, but romantic as in the style and era is romantic. And the men are just trash. <laughs> They're just trash men. And we're supposed to be like, oh, he's so mysterious. And he's and they're like really mean to the women in their lives. Yeah, it's like women didn't know good men. It's like that era in the early 2000s where it was like a thing that couples needed to hate each other. And that was passion. Like, The Notebook. I'm calling out The Notebook right now. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to talk about The Notebook because it still makes me cry because I do think, like, they found a way to fix each other and, like, it ended up well. But the beginning of the romance was very much like, I hate you. Go away. I hate you. I don't like you and I hate you and I love you. And it's like, but do you, do you like each other at all? (laughs) I read a lot of bad romance. No, copyright, stop. (laughs) Um... So I read a lot of bad romances and like the men aren't, <laughs> they're not great. And I get really annoyed whenever there's communication issues, but like at least they have some like hallmarky cheesiness to them. You know, they're always like showering these women with like compliments and like adoration, but like you don't even really get that from Rochester. He's just like, I'm moody. 
Jane, you seem nice. I don't really know what his deal with Jane is because like Blanche comes to the house and Jane thinks he's going to marry her. Yeah. She's this very thin, very pale, very classically British, beautiful woman in the most traditional sense. It's very much the sound of music. And she she kind of breezes in and I think she's also rich. Yeah, she's hella rich. And then Rochester all of a sudden is like, okay, cool, I'm going to marry Jane. And it's like, where the frick did that come from? Yeah. It's, Nowhere. It's like the second he can have something else, he's all like, no, I don't want something else. I just want Jane because Jane teaches people and Jane is nice and Jane is kind and Jane saved me from a fire. Kind of like how, you know, in the Von Trapp family, like in the movie, like the dad falls in love with uh, Maria simply because she's a teacher. To his kids and like she teaches them to like live and brings you know music back into the house but like before that he was kind of all like i'm tough and mean and i lost my wife and i see no joy spoilers have you never seen the sound of music? you're spoiling a movie for me that's 50 years old <laughs> i mean it's also based on a true story so that's on you is it actually yeah i did not know that yeah the von Drat families are like a real family this is completely new information okay well it's on disney plus so go watch the sound of music uh, why would i watch it now it's been spoiled for me it's not really you don't you spoiled know. the ending it's not that's not even the ending that's literally halfway through the movie chantal <laughs> the beginning it's the beginning of a three hour long movie i'm pretty sure it happens before the intermission jesus movies were not three hours 50 years ago they were like 20 minutes Mm, false (laughs) so anyways it's it's a big thing but i think yeah rochester's deal in the world is kind of pa bueno (laughs) is that the literary term for it yes i i think he's brooding with no reason like in white sargasso sea we kind of understand why he got to where he was but like you don't really get that from jane Eyre. i think in jane Eyre, we're supposed to interpret that his reason for being brooding is that he's saddled with having his wife locked up in the attic and it's like okay but you did that to yourself and especially to her yeah he hires this maid grace pool to like take care of her because he can't take care of her himself if i were her I wouldn't want to see him either. Yeah, like he doesn't seem like a good guy. Like he's a he's a bad dude and we don't stand. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> um although I did like I did genuinely enjoy reading Jane Eyre. Like I had a fun time reading it. I think it was a good read. Yeah. Like in hindsight, I fucking hate Rochester because I read White Sargasso Sea, which we didn't actually get the chance to read in class properly because of the strike, I think. Yeah. A bunch of the universities in our area went on strike at the same time and it happened to be when we were supposed to be reading White Sargasso Sea. So we just read it anyway. But then they were like, you don't actually have to read this because they weren't assigning readings and then nobody read it except us. Yeah, I think what happened is like it was the last book on the things we were supposed to read. And being the overachievers we were, we were like, oh, we'll get ahead. You know, we have all this free time. Let's get ahead. We also didn't realize they were going to say that we didn't have to. And we were like, we don't want to do two to three weeks of reading in the three days that we get back yeah so we like we got ahead to it and then they're like okay write your like final papers and whatever and we like we both ended up writing about white sargasso sea we were like we read it so we might as well and it was really risky because we never talked about it in class we had no idea what our profs thought of it or anything like that so it was like it was a fun ball game to get into (laughs) you're like what even is this book about let's write an essay and find out which I think really built up our like critical thinking skills not that any of this episode shows that but um (laughs) 
I do think that like people should read it if they want to read a kind of creepy, kind of lovey type of book. I think what it's really good for is getting kind of a survey of like what British romantic era feminism was like. Because mm. the big statement of feminism in the novel is something like, I have as much heart as a man. And it's like, now it would be, well, duh, don't we all? You know? Yeah, I think it's it's very much like Jane gets pushed into all these places and then she says yes to marrying him and then it's taken away from her. But like she goes back to him out of her own volition. Yeah, they say that they've got a marriage of equality by yeah. the end. Yeah. Um, I think her getting money and then him kind of losing his sight and all his money and his hand kind of put them on more of an even playing field. Yeah, because I remember that was a really big issue in the novel. It was like they had a lot of like these like weird power dynamics that you see between like a 50s housewife and her like working husband. Or the fact that he was her boss and she was 20 years younger than him. Yeah. So I think it's it's really interesting and fun that like when they get back to it, like they're, they're at the same level playing field. Kind of like in, have you read The Pearl by John Steinbeck? I've not, but please enlighten me. Do you want a spoiler? Uh... If you don't want a spoiler, skip to like two minutes from now. But sure, go okay. ahead. So in the Pearl, there's this dude and his wife and their kid named Coyotito. Um, and she's always walking like two feet behind him. He's always walking forward. So like he's always seen as like this, you know, this person in power. He's the head of the household, blah, blah, blah. Eventually their kid dies. Yikes. Because he's like going off after a Pearl or something. The Pearl is his Moby Dick. Kind of. So they come back um, to their village and like he he doesn't have the pearl. He no longer has a son, but they're walking side to side because now they are equals because his ego has been brought down a notch. I mean, and isn't that the main goal is to crush every man's ego? I mean, no, men are allowed to have personalities, um, but I do think that it's a really fun representation of how equality should be seen um i just wish i didn't take you know kids dying and houses and ex-wives to be burned down you know for it to happen yeah like bertha also dies in the fire yeah which is why rochester can remarry because he's no longer married he's technically a widower yeah rochester sucks rochester sucks uh so Chantel. yeah how would you rate this from living in London where there were, you know, having a bunch of coal being burnt um, or living? <laughs> yeah. How would you rate this between living in old timey London with all the coal from the chimneys going into your lungs or living in the English countryside? Hmm. Okay. Suburbs weren't a thing. So this is a really hard box you put me into. <laughs> Can choose kind of this is a scale of one to two. Well, no, because there's also like the small villages outside of the country and the city. I think I would rate this like a Sinjin's village. <laughs> like Moore's End or whatever. Moore's End. Kind of dull, but also kind of like just there. I think it's a good kind of survey class book, you know? Mm. Like it gives a good flavor of the era while still being a little bit feminist. So you could go to bed 
feeling okay about yourself at night and not wanting to punch Victor Frankenstein in the face. Yeah, and then like you can go on and read Wise and enlighten yourself about life and liberties and the pursuit of happiness. And uh, yeah. I think Wide Sargasso Sea is better than Jane Eyre in the same way that Dan Brown is not as good as literary criticisms of Dan Brown in the style of Dan Brown. That's... That's fair. That's a really good interpretation of things. And uh, I agree. I'm looking up Dan Brown literary criticisms now because they're the greatest thing I've ever read in my whole entire life. We don't have time to unpack all of that today. (laughs) So this is from an article from The Telegraph called Don't Make Fun of Renowned Dan Brown by Michael Deacon. I really like the expression you're making on your face right now. And I'm just going to describe it to the listeners so that they can also enjoy She kind of looks like someone who's been told she's going to get a really good sandwich, (laughs) but then her sandwich shows up and it's Wonder Bread with mayonnaise and bologna and it tastes like Sinjin. (laughs) Okay, tell me more about Dan Brown from The Telegraph. Renowned author Dan Brown woke up in his luxurious four-poster bed in his expensive $10 million house and immediately he felt angry. Renowned author Dan Brown hated the critics. Ever since he had become one of the world's top renowned authors, they had made fun of him. Critics, yes. The critics said his writing was clumsy, ungrammatical, repetitive, and repetitive. (laughs) They said it was full of unnecessary tautology. They said his prose was swamped in a sea of mixed metaphors. Okay, um, I, uh, yeah. I mean, White Sargasso isn't that funny, but I agree. I love it so much. Our poor readers will have to go find it for themselves, though. You really need to go find it for yourself. Okay, well, you know what, guys? This week has been, um, has been a week. Oh, I have an announcement. <laughs> Announce away. This episode is coming out next Friday from when we're recording this which is going to be during Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah! To anyone who's celebrating. To all our Hanukkah friends. (laughs) Our Hanukkah friends. Well, our friends who do Hanukkah. Yes. Hanukkah friends, no? No, I'm sure that's their preferred term. Well, I mean, you can celebrate Hanukkah even if you're not necessarily Jewish. That's true. So, to our Hanukkah friends. (laughs) You're so cute. So, following that announcement, Chantel, yes. this has been a mishmash of an episode. This has been a treat. Um, I think we started low, we ended high. <laughs> Much like Jane Eyre, we had a roller coaster of emotion. Oh no. That's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we're excited. Unavailable. <laughs> <laughs>